Welcome to In the Envelope, an awards podcast. I am your host, Jack Smart, awards editor at Backstage. I'm here to give you a front row seat to the Emmys, Oscars, SAG, and Tony's races. Who is in the running? What makes an award-worthy performance? And what are the secrets to giving one? These intimate, inspirational conversations with some of today's most talented stars provide you, dear listener, the kind of craft and career advice that could win you a statue of your own, and maybe, just maybe, a tantalizing glimpse in the envelope. If there's anything else you want to do... Do that. Do that, and then... And then if you still have this urge, then you can go. I mean, nobody knows anything. Sure. And if you meet someone who thinks they know everything, then you, that's not a teacher you want to work with. I felt a bit bad because I just realized that halfway through the interview that when I met him downstairs, I shook his hand and said, Jamie because it's my name oh, and I think no. he must have thought that I thought he but then I said that to his yes. rep as well so I was oh how funny so oh my god hopefully he didn't think that I thought he was name was actually well so Jim. I've been saying for weeks now like partly because I hadn't known how to pronounce Nikolai Koster Waldau I have just been referring to him as Jamie or Jamie Lannister yeah and in fact when I used to read the books Song of Ice and Fire books by George R.R. Martin well, you, in my head yeah. maybe it was just like a personal joke with my, an inside joke with myself I pronounced it Jaime <laughs> Jaime Lannister. Yeah, people just say that's that how it's me. spelled. Yeah, you know? yeah. So Jamie met Jamie. Yeah. How did it? What finally, did you think? It's what finally happened. happened. <laughs> I do feel like this is a final. You know that backstage has been trying to talk to a Game of Thrones actor for a yeah, long time. Yeah, I know. That was great. An original cast member. Of and Game of Thrones. a few people have commented. He looks very much like he does on the show uh-huh. in real life sure, as well. Sure. Very much embodies his character. <laughs> and we actually, at the end of that interview, we talked a little bit about fame mm. and how it works and how bizarre it is but also like this idea of we when a when a project is that successful and that well known as game of thrones is like especially for tv audiences feel like they know the person the actor or the character they just feel that affinity and that's part of the kind of oddity of fame i think yeah and he has a great sense of humor about it yeah (laughs) it's slightly odd with him but because of He's so well known in such a fantastical setting. True, it is weird to see him True. walking the streets of New York. Absolutely, you do expect yeah. to see him in a castle or why you know, doesn't on he a have horse. his armor on? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally. Um, that's a good. Is there like a? I don't know whether we should do like a um, for those who don't know Game of Thrones. Segment. There are no people like. That. <laughs> so for those tiny people, tiny bit of the population who have not yet seen the show, like just know that it's a very big hit. And that it's about dragons. Yeah. And... <laughs> it is... He described it as an alternative universe, which I think is accurate. Yeah. It is real life... And the whole conceit of George R. R. Martin is that he was inspired by the medieval period, but he wanted to put them as if it's modern people in those circumstances and mm. really give them, like, relatable human modern characteristics. It's not entirely dissimilar to Lord of the Rings kind of sure. experience. Oh, and in fact, I was thinking the other day, like the Lord of the Rings, the success of Lord of the Rings movies hmm. opened the door for the success of Game of Thrones, the TV show. Yeah. 
Because 10 years ago, the idea of a fantasy hit was unheard of. And yet, we had had the precedent of three very successful Lord of the Rings movies. And Lord of the Rings is coming back now, right? And now it's like TV. TV, And Tolkien continues to have adaptations for sure. Yeah. But George R. R. Martin is like our Mm. living big deal fantasy author. Yeah. And he's he has been involved in the um, creation of this TV show, although not the, the most recent seasons. Plus, there's going to be a spinoff, Game of Thrones. There's going to be prequels, yeah. Yeah. Because that's the thing, HBO, they've dominated the Emmys every year that Game of Thrones has been out, especially recent seasons. And with both that and Veep both ending this season, yeah, there's a, there becomes like a void of content for them afterward. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I'm very curious to see about a prequel. What? I know. Inspired by the events of, or yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Well, anyway, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we got this, an actor from Game of Thrones finally on this podcast. And it went really well, I think. It did. Right? Yeah. We yeah. talked about like some We're, really good acting advice stuff and the early career stuff and yeah, and interesting because he came from obviously the European world as yes. well. That's an interesting perspective, mainland European mm. world. Yeah, um, and from a non-English speaking world as well, and then yeah. broke into the English speaking world with with the tons of rejection as he talks about. Yeah, as with any acting career. Yeah, that's a theme. It's very we, much a theme. I feel like this podcast has become or has always wanted to be like a way of talking about things that could easily be pessimistic, like how much failure and rejection there is in this industry of, of the arts. Yeah. But talking about that or and or like contextualizing that in a positive way, I would hope. Yeah. And I think dealing with it by vocalizing it yeah. helps. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and hearing from people who, and... who have experienced success, but who are still very familiar with the opposite of success. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. As with any actor. And, you know, even someone that has risen to the ranks of mm. Nikolai yeah. has experienced a huge amount of it themselves. So if you're going through yeah. it yourself, you're not alone. <laughs> yeah. And I have it so much just, respect for yeah. those people. Yeah. And you can just walk into an audition room tomorrow and book next year's Game of Thrones. You never know. <gasps> sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we got to get to this interview because we do start off by talking about the fact that nobody knew that this would become Game of Thrones, culture, yeah. pop culture, behemoth Game of Thrones. No, yeah. nobody knew that. He said that the original pilot of the show was terrible. <laughs> I want to see that <laughs> I'd now. love to see that version. I'm desperate I to know. see that. I know. <laughs> well, we just said uh, goodbye to Nikolai because he's off for the Game of Thrones New York premiere. Yeah. Which means that Jamie and I are going to go through and edit his interview and release it. Yeah. Yay. Let's get to it. Hey, if you are an actor or an aspiring actor or someone at the beginning of your artistic career and you haven't signed up for Backstage yet and you don't know how it works, I have good news for you. Backstage is offering 30 whole days completely free just for our In the Envelope listeners. If you visit backstage.com slash subscribe and enter the code envelope, you will have full access to the site where you can make a profile, upload a headshot, upload a reel, start applying to the thousands of casting notices uploaded every single day on the world's number one casting platform. Again, we are giving listeners of this podcast 30 days completely free to try out Backstage. Go to checkout, that's backstage.com slash subscribe, and enter the code ENVELOPE. If you want to be in contention for an Emmy or for an Oscar or for a Tony or for a SAG award, do as many of the guests on this podcast have suggested and use Backstage. We are here for you. Again, free 30-day trial, backstage.com slash subscribe, enter the code ENVELOPE. Nikolai Koster-Waldau is best known as Jamie Lannister the Kingslayer on HBO's fantasy hit Game of Thrones from David Benioff, D.B. Weiss, and George R.R. R. Martin. 
His performance on the show, now launching its highly anticipated final season, has earned him SAG and Emmy nominations. Nikolai is also an ambassador for the United Nations Development Program and has starred in movies, TV series, and stage productions in and outside his native Denmark. Without further ado, Nikolai Kosterwaldau. Everybody give him a hand. Well, since we're just getting set up, and I just feel like I need to put this out in the open. And then, right. are we recording? I haven't watched Game of Thrones, of course. I haven't seen a, a second no, of Game no, of Thrones. No. Have you? I, I have. Yeah, my wife hasn't. Oh, okay. But uh, but. Uh, so we're gonna air this actually right after the first episode drops. Okay. Rather than um, wait till the season's over. But That's what okay. I was gonna say is, um, I I broke my pants today, and I just want to <laughs> make sure that the. Elephant is, you know, in the room, and that it's recorded on this podcast. Just to let you know, like, the button bit of my pants—it's uh-huh. it's gone. I'm so, oh, my, my body is changing. That's I'm a growing beautiful. boy. Can I see? Yeah, it's just a really weird way to start the interview, but like, basically, there's just no more yeah. like, button situation here. But clearly, I mean, but it's weird because it's not clearly you're very you're, you're a skinny guy. I I have always thought so. Now today, I'm like, well, I don't know. Well, it could also just be the fact that how old are those pants? Um, like five years old. Maybe you just wore them out, you know. Yeah. I'm going to go with that. We'll go with that. It's just a great way to start an interview. You know, just let all the pies, you let all the pies. You fat bastard, you. Okay. (laughs) Um, Welcome. Thank you. Nikolai. Yes. Could you maybe pronounce your name for us for the record? Oh, Nikolai. For the record. Nikolai Costa-Waldo. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us. Um. How are you today? What is the um, press like going into this final season? It's, it's you know, it's kind of like always with Game of Thrones. You, you, yeah, you're you back know, in the you, swing of you things. You can't talk about what comes. You can't say anything. Sure. So it's it's uh, it's always a little about you talk about the past. Of course, now this press tour is a, a lot about you know the overall experience of having been part of something. Yes. That has had this kind of impact. It's more of a, like a retrospective. Yes. The whole experience. I know. It was a really long time ago that the show started. We start this summer it'll be ten years since we shot Amazing. the pilot. Yeah. So what did you how could you have known? What did you know I mean, going into this show? Listen, it's funny because <laughs> yesterday we we you know, we 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 met all uh, as many of the original cast members mm. who were in town and we sat down and then the producers showed us the original pilot of the show, oh, okay. um, which which was reshot, ninety percent of that, ninety five percent was reshot, and oh, okay. uh, it was so bad. Oh, really? That you realize how I mean, how, first of all, how lucky we are, but also that nobody knows anything. Sure. I mean, the only thing you, I mean, I don't know why Richard Plepler, who uh, from HBO, decided mm. to. To pick up this show for service oh, after having seen that pilot, it was it was like unwatchable, but very 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 funny. Really. But but my point is just that nobody knows anything totally. in this business, yeah. uh, and 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 it's for this thing to suddenly become so successful. There's so many things that have to yeah. to fit perfectly, and and how and why I don't know. Totally. For any, I feel like for any TV show, like shooting any pilot, there's a huge era of uncertainty. But I think mm-hmm. particularly. 
10 years ago, a fantasy TV hit was no, no, it, out it, of the question. Completely. Yeah. I mean, it was it was ridiculous. And then I remember telling friends that I'd got this HBO show. Now, that sounded really cool. That sounds cool. Because you yeah. go, this is like Sopranos, The Wire. Totally, yeah. And back then, Entourage was like really hip and yeah. cool. And then they said, so what is it? And now you could say, well, it's this thing set in this parallel universe where you have a lot of supernatural forces and, and, and then this girl hatches these dragon <laughs> eggs and she has dragon kids and they become dragon. And people just, they just, <laughs> the like, eyes glaze over and they go, oh, I'm so sorry. Right, right. Uh, good luck with that. Yeah, good luck, good luck with that. <laughs> totally. But then you saw, when we saw that original pilot, you kind of go, that was, that was this, what the show sounded like. Right. Uh, and then what more it became a, was something completely different. Sure. It, it becomes less of a basic premise and more mm. of a fleshed out. These are human characters. Yeah. These are detailed characters. Yeah. Absolutely. Even the dragons, I think. Even the dragons. Sure. Yeah. Um, I actually, I really want to ask you about what I consider to be a, a genre of acting, which is CGI acting. Yes. Specifically the dragons. How do you guys, some of the, I think that some of the best acting in Game of Thrones is people <laughs> simply reacting to seeing the dragons for the first time. Or any like CGI stuff. Yes. But like, could you describe how that works? Are you are you just using your imagination? That that that, that could that that sounded like the the headline of a really really bad review. Oh like, my god! Some of the, some best, of the best acting, acting <laughs> in this movie is done by the CGI dragon. Um, opposite the CGI. Ob- opposite the CGI dragon. You know, sure. this guy this guy is so dead. But when he looks up and sees the tennis ball, finally, there's oh, a so bit it's of light. A, it is a tennis well, ball. it can be a tennis ball. It can also just be a someone sitting. If it's like far away, they sit with like a laser pen to point and then you follow this laser dot and you just fill your head with an image of what you think it looks like yes i i guess so i it's also just i mean the beauty of that is like you don't want to do too much uh because it's really about how i think in a situation if it's just seeing a dragon you look up just I, i guess don't 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 do too much because sure. the, the audience have to read they they read into you mm. based on what they know about the character and then they go oh, I guess I, I bet Jamie's really scared now or uh-huh. excited oh, cool. or yeah 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 and yeah. if they only knew that the actor has no hadn't got a clue <laughs> just going there's a dot as the dot and maybe that's why it's the best acting because there's no thought that's just well <laughs> I love looking. that idea of us transposing what oh we no imagine. but that's what we do yeah. I mean there's a famous I remember this old. I think it was a Russian movie where they played just with the filming of a person look staring, you know, into the into the sure the, the far distance, and then they would put three different scores on, and it was just amazing how you just read. It was like a romantic score. You're gonna go, I bet she's looking at He's in love. love, and yeah. and, and and then the next one was a doom, doom, doom. Oh my God, so scary. I mean, that's oh, the thing. Cool. We read so much into totally, it. Totally, totally. So stillness and uh, the more subtler choice is often what works. Well, I think it it, it can work. Yeah. Obviously, if it's a, if it's a monster that's coming against you, you should probably try to do a little more, more than just being <laughs> just <laughs> sure. But uh, and how different are takes? How different is it take to take? Do you have one take where you're like <gasps> a dragon? I you know we had we did one where we were shooting and that was season seven when. Um, there's this big scene where everyone's together. We're waiting for Daenerys to arrive, and she arrives in a dragon. We right. all look up, and then we see this for the first time. Yeah. And uh, Jeremy Podesta, the director, he mm. yeah he did say, okay, okay, more, bigger, mm. bigger. We need more, just so they have some options. Some options, right, yeah. right, right, right. And those scenes are a monster to 
uh, film. Uh, it's just uh, it, that it's funny because when, when people, when I'm asked what's the hardest, I mm. think those scenes are the hardest because you're sitting. You ha we shot that for ten days. This mm. one scene, and most of those ten days, you're just you're just you know. In behind the camera or next to the camera because they oh. do coverage in every character and gotcha. it takes so long. Right. And, uh, and you're wearing armor? And you, well, that that whole thing, but also just staying focused and then it was really hot and mm. it was shooting Seville. Mm. I remember my coverage was at the very end mm. and at that point we'd all, we'd done it like hundreds of times sure. and, and, you know, people are starting to lose lose interest but also just staying focused for so long is mm -hmm. difficult. Yeah. I think wow. those scenes are the hardest. Um, if if it's just a two-hander, it's just great. It's fun. It's better. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you sometimes wish that you were the more the Cersei character, staying in the castle and drinking wine? Uh, <laughs> no, no, I don't. No, I think I'm. Actually, I mean, I'm clearly biased, but I'm. I think the, the, the Jamie character is, is so much fun, and I yeah. I love being out. I, I mean, I love being um, on location. Mm. Uh, mm -hmm. In the mud and the, I mean, the just to, to smell it and all that. That's, yeah, it just helps. It makes it easier. That's how you know it's a good, um, a good viewing experience when you, as a viewer, feel like you can smell the action. Yeah, I know, I know exactly. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, what does go into the physical prep? Like, what went into it? First of all, at the very beginning, when you were shooting the pilot. Well, there's a well. As with anything, no matter what you do, if you have a, a character, if he has certain skills that you don't, you just have to yeah. kind of learn the basics mm. and then fake the rest. Okay. And and, uh, <laughs> cool. and I mean, fighting is is always. It's like you just have to learn. It's like a dance. You have to learn the steps because mm -hmm. mm. you can't afford to make mis. I mean, you have to no. know that. If I put my sword there, he's gonna parry and not allow me. He's gonna, he's not gonna let me cut off his his, yeah. his arm, right? Or, or hand, yeah. Or hand, yeah. <laughs> um, so it just takes some time of that's just rehearsals and then gotcha. you know riding a horse. You have to practice if you don't do oh, that. Oh, sure. But uh, mm. but that's just uh, that's just the basic. But see, we here on this podcast love to hear about the the prep and yeah. and also the the idea of faking it. Like I suppose you can't quite fake. Riding a horse, but if you book a TV show, it gives you a little bit more time to master that as it goes. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean it's 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 interesting. I mean, and they have. I mean, I really love riding, and I, mm -hmm. I and so for me, this has been so much fun. And I, I would, you know, whenever I had time, I, I, you know, I, I I loved hanging out with the horse wrangling mm -hmm. those people because it's just great. Yeah, cool. And and. Just to learn more, also sometimes more than I needed. But because I did that, I was able to do things at the end of the the run that I did in the beginning. So oh. so they, so I could do some fun stuff with oh, the okay. uh, like charge a dragon with a spear. Exactly. Gotcha. gotcha. So you didn't have to have a, a, a double do it. Oh, okay. And I just think that's it's just fun. Yeah, yeah. Do you and how often do you work with a stunt double? And do you have a good relationship with that whole? Oh no, they're fantastic. They're, yeah. they're the, the best. No, I I I try to do as you know everything myself mm -hmm. um just because it's, it's easier for everyone i think okay also just for editing if they don't editing, have to. directing all of that yeah yeah, yeah yeah um but obviously if something is really really dangerous yeah there's uh, also an insurance thing where they go you can't do that okay you're okay not, you're not allowed to do that um and mm -hmm. and, and then that, that's great because then i don't have to and then i'm just relieved that i don't have to Sure. Uh, because I mean, the thing is, I remember I worked with. I think it was 
Harrison Ford. I did a film once years ago, and he mm-hmm. he had this definition. He said, "I don't do stunts. I do physical acting." And when it becomes about stunts, then I'll let the professionals oh, okay. step in. That's a good attitude. Yeah. I th- yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, then you have, of course, the Tom Cruise of this world that will do everything. Do everything. Sure. And You've it's not even. Too. Yeah. And yeah. and and, and I, but it was huge. It was really impressive. But it was also. Um, he has a stunt double, mm-hmm. and the stunt double will do everything a number of times okay. before he then does it. So the stunt double will find out where all the danger zones. Whereas, whereas oh. if I'm falling over a table, he will fall over that table ten times, oh. and then be able to say to, to Tom Cruise that, "Listen, be careful when you come around. That's that edge. We, you know." Okay. So, I mean, that was that was impressive because he got beat up. That guy. Oh my god. Uh huh. But having said wow. that, Tom Cruise does everything himself. He does it. I mean, do you see the one he did in the, the, Mission Impossible? Yeah, when he broke his ankle. The most recent one? Yeah, yeah. Did he, you see? What did he jump from? He jumped, he jumped from, one from thing across to a building, and then he broke his ankle. <sighs> and it's in, and he and he got up and ran out of shots, so they could use it. It's in the movie. It's so insane. It's That's so insane. insane. But the funny thing is, you go, that's insane, and they shut down for so long. You're going to go, yeah, but the amount of publicity they got out the, of that, that story got. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, been yeah. on every <laughs> news site in the world. It's like all we know about that movie. That's yeah. so true, going into it. Um, quick, I just, yes. because I've never had this on this podcast before, a quick tangent about horse acting. What are like the pointers of working with a horse or of riding that oh, you people have, should know? Oh, don't, don't do it if you don't, if you're not comfortable. Okay. Mm hmm. Because it's it's dangerous. If yeah. you if you're not comfortable being on a horse, then you don't think that you can fake that one. Okay, that's one of those things you can't lie on your resume. About. No, and we've and, and and we've seen that. And then then you have and then things happen that shouldn't happen. People and, are on horses uh, who don't are on. No, because the horses horse are really smart. You know, they know. So if you don't know what to do with your feet, so if you're constantly telling the horse go faster and you and you and you and, and you're pulling it mm. then at one point the horse even if it's the nicest horse is going to go this is messed I don't up trust you yeah but at the same it's just the most i mean you work when you work with great horse wranglers then the, the horse is so mm. well trained that mm-hmm. i think most people can do the basics sure sure without getting killed <laughs> getting killed yeah, I feel like the horse wranglers. Have you ever ridden? Have you? I have ridden. Yeah. yeah, I do know the um that basic idea of the of the pulling if you want them to go faster, which is often an unconscious movement where you you just naturally pulling back to. You shouldn't pull them to go faster. No, exactly. But no. people will. Oh no! But that thing where you get nervous, yeah. You get nervous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and the horse can totally tell. And also, you, you you your feet. It's also the feet. So you take the feet back, and that's basically stepping on the accelerator without right. knowing you're doing that. Right. Right. I could never get. The, I could never master turning. Shows you how basic I, I got. Yeah. A level, but basic turning was a challenge for me. Yeah, I think that's a good way up? to go. In Honolulu, Hawaii. Really? <laughs> yeah. Have you been? No, never. Oh, you should. Oh, you should go. I'd love to go. It's wonderful. Yeah. What's Denmark like? It's well. I, I'm just guessing that it's not like Honolulu. Hawaii. I'm pretty sure it's. Yeah, we we came from both about the most opposite place uh, yeah. you can come from. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's it's an it's it's well, there are similarities. It's a it's a country made of islands. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, very flat, no mountains. Very flat. Okay. Um, a farming country. Sure. Um, Were you more uh, urban or? I grew up in 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 a village of forty people, so really? countryside. Oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and at you, what point? You grew up in in a. I'm sorry. I'm I'm just curious. Oh no, that's I love it. In a, in, a, in a city like or? 
Uh, Honolulu, yeah, which is basically a big city. Oh, ho- like I thought that was an island, Honolulu. Suburban. So that's a, that's a city. Um, Honolulu is on the island of Oahu. Okay. Yeah, Oahu is the name of the island, and it is the most populous island yeah. of the eight of them. Okay. So uh, equivalent of suburban, but like I grew up in a valley. Like it was very picturesque uh, yeah, and not yeah. what people think of as suburban, I would say. No. Not a village of 40. Not a village of 40. Yeah. At what did you always want to be an actor? At what point was it no, I, acting? I, I did. I did actually always. Always. That's I so didn't cool. really know why, um, but I wanted to be an actor. And it's it, like there's no one in the family, and okay, it was that or I mean, a football. I mean, soccer player. That's oh. all, that was a big thing. Um, but mm-hmm. really, acting was was a dream. I remember I found this this essay we had to do in. I think I was 13. You know, I think most kids have to do that at one point. And then you have to, what do you want to be? Uh-huh. You know, a plan for when sure. you finish school. What are you going to be? <laughs> so I put on actor was number one because okay. that was the dream. And then if I couldn't do that, I wanted to be a journalist because then I would go and, you know. And my journalist dreams were, would mm. be about traveling around the world sure. and, and reporting the truth. Okay, yeah. To the people. And if I couldn't do that, I was like, well, then if I can't do any of my passions, I'm just make some money. Also, lawyer. But oh, I okay. didn't want to be a lawyer. I just thought, well, there must be something. Uh-huh. Do you think a lot of lawyers have that? A lot of people that go into banking is like, was that their it's passion? The was that the. No, but there's. If you go into. If you become a Wall Street broker, do you think that's what you wanted to do when you were eight? I mean, Wall Street brokers, actually, that probably was number one on their list. I don't but, know about. The lawyers and bankers of the of the world. Sometimes it, it it interests me what how sure how you end up where you end up. I mean, the thing about acting, and we found this on this podcast, is it has to be number one on the list in order for it to really happen. I yeah. think. No, I, I agree. And it often doesn't happen, or or you. No, no, I know, and I have friends that things. that have wanted it as badly as I, and sure. then for for reasons that are just you know yeah often lack of luck or all these things, and then. Uh, that's that painful or painful maybe it's a stupid word but that's a moment when you just have to go hmm. I'm have I have to do something, something else. else yeah or find or, or find, find another way of, of exactly. getting to to the because I usually I mean it's about storytelling in a way it's about and, and then it's about exploring human behavior yep and, and the how, truth and the truth yeah how do you do this and how and there are many ways and I think that for sure even as a lawyer even as a lawyer, of course. Yeah. No, of course. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't mean like I, I didn't mean it like that because I actually, when I wanted to be a lawyer, it was it was kind of the same thing. I, I just mm-hmm. you know, when I said oh, I just make money, it wasn't that. It was yeah. having watched all those shows where you see, uh, you know, the lawyer that stands for the truth, and then you know the, you yeah. have the courtroom drama, right? And then you know, Twelve Angry Men and Jack, yeah, Henry Fonda then cool. stands and yeah. goes, "Hang on a second, uh, we can do better than that." Yeah, cool. We all better than that, right? Oh, so there was not like so there were performances and and TV shows and that kind of thing that inspired you, but you did always want acting at the top of the list. Yeah, it was. It was. I was I was one of those annoying kids that would always mimic oh, okay. people on sure. TV, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, television presenters or whatever it was. Yeah. I would always, and I'm, I, I'm sure I wasn't very good, and I was driving my family crazy. <laughs> uh-huh. But that's what I did. Um, yeah. And then early on, we did a, a school play, and I remember I don't remember much from the school play, mm-hmm. but I remember something went wrong, mm. and then I just started improvising. Oh, okay. And then after the teacher came to me, I was like, wow, that was amazing. Oh, so cool. And I yeah. just thought I was, wow, 
Yeah. This is meant to be. Oh, see, that's cool. It wasn't necessarily the applause. No, no, no. It's like, <laughs> it, you know, no, it wasn't. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And then, so, and then you did study mostly theater? Yes, yeah. I went to the National Theater School in, in Copenhagen. Very cool. And then I had this dream of working in England, you know, mm -hmm. in the English-speaking world. I had this, I mean, a theater group traveling the world. That was like, yeah. wow, that would be amazing. And I thought, well, to do to do it in English, I would have to train in English. And I thought, okay, let me... Mm -hmm. So I went over and I auditioned at, at RADA and at Bristol Vic. And then I got into Bristol Vic. Oh, okay. And then I... I remember I was very lucky. I, 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 you know, finished my training in Denmark, and then I got my first job was was a lead in this movie called Nightwatch. Yes. So I shot that, and then the day after I wrapped, I, I, I went to Bristol. So they allowed me to, to start oh. later in, in, in the term. Huh. And I was there for two weeks, and then um, I realized that uh, <laughs> I just I finished four years of training, and uh, four years of training is is more than enough. All you wanted, okay. What's great about a, you know a theater school is that. You you focus on something, and you mm -hmm. have a group of people that focus on this for a number of you know for four years or three years. Mm -hmm. But you don't you you have to do it to really learn. I At think. some point, yeah. You have to you have yeah. to you know. And I I I and I was confused. I was like I was twenty, mm. I just turned twenty three, and I was in living in England, and I left a girlfriend behind. I broke up because I wanted to follow my dreams, oh. and I suddenly was like, "Oh my God, this is not what I want." Uh huh. So I had I remember I had a meeting with the uh, the principal, oh, wow. Christopher Dennis, and I think if he'd been understanding, if he'd said, "Listen, I get it, you know, it's tough, but oh. just wait until Christmas. See how you feel at Christmas." Sure. And then, but he. He, he kind of didn't. He said what? the opposite. He said, you know how many people want to come in? We have a list. Oh, no. Of, we have four, 5,000 people waiting to come in here. You could, you don't, you're not, you're not sure? Get the, what the f*** ah. is that? And he was, oh, I, sorry, can I use these? Oh, ones? of course, you can swear, yeah. yeah. Swear and then, in, and, I, and I just said, well, f*** you. Uh, that helps you make the decision And right I walked there. out, and I just, yeah. I just walked out the door with the... And I mean, it's but also it was just it, it was it was the right it was the right thing for me to to leave. Yeah. Because yeah. also you know you if you know if you ever been to you know first year drama students mm -hmm. are so full of themselves. And, <laughs> you and, have and, to be. Yeah. Well, you do know no Daniel Day Lewis went here. You know that right? Yet well, I know, but we're not Daniel Day Lewis, are we? Right. Right. But um, so I. But it was weird. It was. It was. Um, but but to go back, that was so. That was my drive to mm -hmm. to go. And then I lived in. In England, I stayed in London for for a while. And and you were like auditioning. You were doing the. Then I, well then, that no then I went back home, and then the movie came out. It became did very well. This sure. Danish film, and then yeah. they were going to do a remake in 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 uh, in Hollywood, and they did. But um, oh, they did with Ewan McGregor playing oh, I didn't my know. Oh, part, okay. and Nick Nolte and Josh Brol Brolin. Oh. It wasn't very good. Okay. I, I worked with Ewan McGregor later on, and he he made me promise not to watch it. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I see. But that, I mean, it's you know. But then I, I, but because of that, I met his agent, and then I got an agent in England. And that and was okay. In '96, I did my first English film. Right, and that's really. I think that's really excellent advice. because we're all about the early career acting advice, and it sounds like if you're two weeks into a new theater program and you just know in your gut it's not for you, mm -hmm. and then you have like a. Shouting match with the principal of the. Unless that school. didn't help. No, it didn't help. But you, it sounds like you knew four years was enough for me, and yeah. I'm ready to actually do the thing. 
that's one of the things about acting. It's like you, you're an actor when you act. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and, and you, I know some, I mean, I'm, I love my job. I love acting. And I, 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 you know, I work all the time because I, I've never been good at the, uh, you know, sometimes I, I think of, oh, what would it be like to, you know, those actors that will do one movie every two years. Sure. And then they will spend like 12 months of 18 months just learning how to become and they be, and and their performances sometimes you just go oh, it's just so good sure yeah but i'm just i i i'm too impatient for that you'd rather work more often yeah yeah, yeah. and um and I, I think you have you have to stay well it's 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 working but it's also being in, part of the being engaged with something mm. i don't know how to explain it but then because i mm-hmm. suddenly realized that one of my favorite actors or actresses she was away for, you know, Glenda Jackson. Oh yeah! Oh my God! How long was she away for? She was. She became a politician for. She became a politician for decades, right? And now she came and worked back. Worked in Parliament and just. She won a Tony Award last year. Yeah, and the Olivia, I think, and she's so good. And so she's like, clearly, it it, it doesn't That's always hurt to take some example. time off. Yeah, exactly. She won an Oscar, and then she went to be a politician for I think a long time. Yeah, a very, you know, very. And now she's playing King politician. Lear. You're going to go see the... I want to go see that, yes, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. That's a... Well, that's now. They're rehearsing now, right? I think it's happening. Uh, preview's already started, yeah. It's got to be. She's got to be on I should go tonight, but I guess I have this other premiere to go. <laughs> oh, there's a premiere to go to. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Is that tonight? Yeah, Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. amazing. Okay. Oh, Game of Thrones. Um, so, talking about auditioning, especially, like, that early career thing... Um, what are, what, I mean, what do you tell aspiring actors oh, about auditioning? You know, it reminds me of this. I, I don't remember who it was, and, and you might know who it is. There was some very, very successful business guy mm-hmm. who was asked about this, the secret to his success. And he mm-hmm. said, I don't know. I can tell you a lot about failure. Uh-huh. Because, and I think it's kind of the same thing. You have to go into this knowing that there's going to be nothing but rejection yeah. for most of your career. Sure. And yeah. now and then someone will say, yeah, I, you know, this would be great. Let's go play yeah. together. And mm-hmm. then, but, <laughs> it, and that's what, I have two daughters and they both want to, to become actors. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's the only thing I tell them is say, you, listen, I, I love my job. I, I yeah. encourage you to do whatever you feel like, but just know just that know. there is one aspect of it that's really not nice. <laughs> and it's really difficult because yeah. you, <clears throat> you keep, sorry. You keep telling yourself not to take it personally, but but it is personal mm-hmm. because you're, you're the one who's standing there and they go, no, I don't think you're right for this. Yeah, you. I feel it. I feel that I'm right for it. Yeah, but yeah. you're not. Yeah. You look wrong. You just, I don't There's something wrong. There's something bad. I mean, and you never know what that something wrong no. is. How do you, so the coping after an audition, like, it, does it just take practice to, to accept the re- I think it depends on what it is. For me, it, mm. like, the, to be honest, there's been very few times when I've been really disappointed um uh-huh. early on there was one i was in london there was a i think it was called regeneration it was a movie by a scottish director mm. it was about world war one about these poets and i'd been in and i'd read and i got very close he wanted to see me again and he wanted this was going to be it mm. and he said just go away and work 
Mm-hmm. And I went away and I worked and I worked and I worked and I read every every mm. poem I could find. Mm. And I was so deep into it. What I didn't know was he didn't mean to go work on that. He meant just go work on your accent. I hadn't. What? I, no, no, but that was that was what that was. But that made complete sense. I but see. I just didn't get it. I oh. didn't understand that was it. So I went back in with my accent and then I did the whole thing and I, I felt it and I was like, I felt I'd never been so good. I was like, really, this is. Mm-hmm you know research that paid off and yeah. uh, and and then they said well no we you know, can't do that yeah and uh, but then again you learn so much from that you go well mm-hmm. you have to cover all bases hmm. and uh, but most of the time it's um, i mean then the, the the moments when you have auditions that are um but i've only had a few of those where it's it's um, unpleasant oh okay yeah you know where you're being where you kind of walk away feeling humiliated Ugh, yeah. And and you don't necessarily I mean, do you still want those jobs? No. No. And then so there's the oh and then later on in the career I've had these meetings where you could just have a meeting with a director. Yes. And and there are some you know, I've had some messed up meetings where you go, What the f- I mean, in that way, Hollywood has Hollywood is a, is a fascinating place because coming from Europe it's like you go Wow, it's like it's basically it's like I met the yesterday a friend from Belfast who was in the first time in New York. It's like this is like I'm in a movie all the time, and that's that's ah. exactly the first the first time you come to New York or to the U.S. When you come from Europe, you feel like you're in a movie. It's like you look around, oh my god, they they actually live like this, like right. in the movies. Right. Um, but uh, Hollywood is this weird thing where you have you know so many people live chasing this yeah. a dream, right? Yeah, and you have so many sleaze bags. You have a lot of less than interesting people mm. but at the same time you also have some of the most inspiring yeah. brilliant talented, yeah. talented totally. people within a couple of square miles sure it's just about finding those people because there are a lot of and distinguishing lot, between the two a lot of rocks to be kissed on the way there you, that's it yeah, yeah totally and i i love the idea that that's true in the audi- when you're in the auditioning phase of a career but also then in the meetings phase oh yeah no but that's that that i mean I don't think you see that as much in Europe as you do in Hollywood. The whole, hmm. uh, the whole thing about uh, c- celebrating ego. Oh yeah. The whole yeah. you know bad behavior is okay if you're successful. Uh-huh. That we will forgive you for being a complete dick. <laughs> Yep. Because you made this song that was great, or yeah. because you you wrote a movie, or whatever, yep. then it's okay that you're an asshole. Yeah, it's rewarding. You just, I don't. It's very difficult to get away with that. And I mean, at least in Denmark, uh, that yeah. if you if you just can't That's do an that. American quality. And and for some reason, it's like he's well, he's rich and he's doing. He's, he just did that movie, and you go, what? Do you still? <laughs> so it just makes it. It's, yeah. No. And of course, and, and 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 I know it's not okay in the U.S., but you kind of people accept it. Uh, I did accept it maybe in the past. Yeah. I think there's a there's a shift yeah. happening. I hope, yeah. I mean, there's certain completely inappropriate behaviors that are now really being brought to light and called out. And Yes. We have, finally, we have like sexism is a main, it's a part of the mainstream conversation. And, yeah. And practices in Hollywood and I think and elsewhere too. Oh, everywhere. Yes. Yeah. In fact, I'd love to hear about your work as a UN ambassador. You know, it's like, it's so interesting. I was just, I mean... Do you, can we go wherever we want to go and just talk? Good. Well, I was just in Rwanda, oh. and uh, I, I I work as a goodwill ambassador for the UNDP, mm-hmm. and I didn't. And they asked me, and that and, you know, I picked these. 
I've been an ambassador since 2016, and they have the 17 global goals, and mm. that are all connected and they're all important. But I just, I, you know, said let me focus on mm. gender equality number five and and climate action. Yeah, just because I had, you know, I have two daughters. I thought, well, this is important for all of us, but it's, you know that yeah. I, that was a connection, and you know the climate action. I had a connection. My wife's from Greenland, and and you you can see the effects of the climate change very clearly yeah. on the ice sheet in Greenland and, and and the glaciers. But anyway, so and they call me then sometimes if I have time. They say we have these projects we'd like to show you, then then hope hope that you can help us raise mm. awareness about what's going on here. Mm-hmm. And Rwanda, um, the, it's it's this next week, I think, is it, or the week after. No, next week, it's 25 years since the, 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 the genocide mm-hmm. against the Tutsis. Yeah. And they... So that's all I knew. Yeah. And I just thought that I was going to go to a place that would be um, just completely run down, mm-hmm. uh, a, a country destroyed. Oh, sure. Because 25 years is not a lot in a long time. It's yeah. and I, I, it was kind of the opposite. It was it was quite an amazing experience because it's a country that has gone through the worst mm. that anyone can imagine. Because it was it was a million people, more or less a million killed, but it was also but they were killed also by neighbors and yeah. what they thought were friends, and it, it became this insane bloodlust that is so difficult to comprehend and you Mm -hmm. can't really um but then i went there and i was i was educated but i was so impressed because they'd they'd made the decision first of all never again but also really let's analyze what the hell happened happened? how did it get to this point and there were so many things in that analysis that Mm -hmm. kind of made my was a little Worrying because you see a lot of those tendencies. I think you see them today, Elsewhere. not 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 just in Europe, but in the mm-hmm. U.S. Everywhere. Well, it went back thirty years, and it's that whole f- basic thing of demonizing yeah. one group of people, the, other. mm-hmm. the others, the, yeah. the whole them and us idea, yeah. right? The whole like why the why do they always get? And we saw that, and it's not the first or the last time we right. saw it. In yeah, of course, the, in Germany in the in the thirties and the forties, yep. you saw it in Yugoslavia, you saw it in in Angola. I mean, you, we've had all these insane, and we see it now in Myanmar. Uh-huh. You know, it's 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 it, and and we keep thinking that this could never happen again, and then we don't pay attention and it happens again. So what they did, which was so inspiring, they really analyzed and they said, well, Mm. what we need is inclusion for all. Mm -hmm. Men, women, everybody has to be involved. Uh, If you're disabled, you have to be, you know, you are part of this. Mm. If you have whatever religious beliefs, doesn't matter. We don't care about that, but we just want you to be involved. So so when it comes to, and also they lost a million people, which is, you know, but they, gender equality, they have 62% representation in, par- in parliament by women, 50% in the cabinet. Oh, my God. They have, and the, the private, I met with the private uh, CEOs of the biggest companies, and they're like, they're, they're pushing this thing. It's so wow. aggressive, this this hope for change, and yeah, it's yeah. happening. And then I met the, the minister for, uh, for gender equality, and she was like, yeah, well, hopefully in 10 years we won't need me. We to don't, talk about because, it, yeah. Because then it will just be, a natural thing sure um 
And the same with um, the environment. The environment, like uh, mm. 10 years ago, they banned the use of plastic bags. They're going to ban okay. the use of single-use plastic. And I said, oh, we've hang on a second. We've had that discussion in, in Europe and in the U.S. That's not possible. Sure. And the industry will tell you that if that was to happen, we'll need to do research and to come up with alternatives. It's going to take at least 20 years. And then, mm. so yes, if you want to do that, it's going to take maybe 50 years. Mm. Like it's impossible. How, and I said, how long are you going to give? People this, here, they, well, yeah. we're going to give them two years. Because uh. two years will force, you'll force you to find solutions. Once, I think it's the last Saturday of the month or the first Saturday of every month, every adult has to dedicate that day to community service. Just to, And that could be helping like a, an old oh. person who can't. I mean, anything. It's little things, big things. Really? But that's something you do. And of course, that, that gives you the sense of community, that yeah. responsibility for Totally. Them. It's about like a, almost like a, nas- it's like a national pride thing. That's what's But ima- imagine, I mean, we couldn't, like, we couldn't do that in Denver. The whole thing about saying, okay, every Saturday, no. first Saturday of the month, everybody, we all have to do something because we for want each other. To. Yeah. What's in it for me? That's nothing in it for you, but exactly. it's for all of us. Oh. What's and in it was for very me in the short term? Yeah, because I think everyone thinks very short term and rather than investing in Yeah, the- but we also think we have. Unfortunately, we monetize everything, right? We, we everything yes. is is is, right. is is how much is this worth? Yeah. What do I get for this? Also, like uh, they, they, they the the tourism is is a, is, is a growing thing, mm-hmm. um, and they want to explore that and and yeah, but they're not going to compromise when it comes to sustainability. So I said, but well, what if gotcha. someone like a, a big company comes and says we're going to spend a billion dollars, we're going to build this big resort, all we need is uh, to get a little closer to the to the park, sure. inside the park. But right. we'll, we'll spend, and they just went, that's not going to happen. No. We're not going to allow that. And I said, but why? No you need the money. You need right. that. You would need it. But we, that's just short term again. We have, to think, we have right. to think long term. Yeah. What's, yeah. what's the best for the people? And also, you can't spend money unless it's, it's benefiting the community. So, um, yeah. So that's what I did. For, so I, I, and that's I saw amazing. these different projects, and, and, and it was really inspiring. As you said, you wanted to, your second on the list was to be a journalist and to find the truth mm. all around the world. And here you are doing it like as an actor and as an ambassador. No, I'm very, it, no, and I, and I, I'm really uh, very well aware that, that I'm benefiting from this. I mean, sure. I, I'm really, yeah, you yourself. You know, I'm really, uh, you know, sucking everything I can for these people. Cause like, that's the mm. thing. You, that's also, it's so important. Like the UN, by default, has to step in the background. If they do great work, they have to give all credit Mm. to the country they're working for. I mean, obviously, you know. Mm. But that means that a lot of us don't really know how much good is being done on our our behalf, right? So sometimes the UN is getting like, you know, oh, this big bureaucracy and, and, you know, they're just wasting our money. And right now, of course, the U.S. don't want to donate as much as they've done before. And that's why I think it's just... Like you have, like in the UNDP, which is the biggest aid organization in the world, mm-hmm. I've, I've met, they have 6,000 projects now around the world. Mm-hmm. And you meet people that they don't do, they, they don't work there for the money. They don't work there for the glory. They work there because they actually want to make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. They dedicate their lives to helping others. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really inspiring. And oh, yeah. that should get more support, I think. Yeah. But they by by default they have to be in the. In of the course background. they do, because 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 you know uh, we all know yeah. politicians are, are the same everywhere. I mean, and and that's fine. Mm-hmm. And then then they are the ones that um, that have to 
ultimately take responsibility for how a, a country is run. So mm. fair enough, they also get the credit. But it's also important to understand that that, and that's another thing in Rwanda where they've been, they've actually been been. Uh, under, they understood that they it was okay to, to ask for help, you know, that without it, you know, and clearly they they are making the transition. They are making the big choices. Yeah. And the UNDP can come in with that expert right. knowledge and say, well, this is how. What we've seen elsewhere. And, yeah, yeah, this this is this will work. Yeah. Um, but even but getting... for me, but, but again, for me, just traveling around and, and seeing what people do, it, it's also very, uh, it's very inspiring. It's also very hopeful uh, oh, yeah. for the future, even though, you know, sometimes you read the papers, you would think that we are uh, We're all doomed. Doomed. Yeah. Right? I often do. I often read the paper and think we're all doomed. So. Yeah. And and there are a lot of things that could that, that we need to look at and we need to yeah. to to work with. There's no question about it. And and and, and I think yeah. right now the biggest is is obviously uh, um take action against the the climate change so we curb it because it's it's yes. it, it really is out of control right now are there resources that you recommend like what can we do what tiny little immediate steps can we take are there is there a should we um oh i think it's donate it's, to the un or? no i think i think uh, our just the, how you consume mm-hmm. just really think about that um and sure. it's not about I think you don't have City. to become frugal and you don't have to to, yeah. to to you know feel like you have to you know whip yourself because you're it's not about it's not a religious thing it's just about common mm-hmm. sense mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do you need yeah. you know sometimes just get on the bicycle instead of getting yeah. in a car you know eat a little less meat yeah. you know all these little Go things vote. all that yes yeah. that's that voting yeah that could would help yeah yeah did you ever, um, in your envisioning of becoming an actor, like you did eventually want to do film and TV, first yes. of all. Was the was part of the goal like, I want to be famous or I want to have a big enough profile perhaps to even travel the world? No, I never thought of thought of it this, those ways. But I, I, clearly you, you're aware that the, the, the consequence, one of the consequences of, of success in this line of work is that you will that there, there is that aspect of, of the fame. Now, the fame is, is is you don't know what that is, and then when you experience it, you realize it really is yeah nothing to do with you, really. Uh huh. Uh huh. If that makes sense. It's a bizarre thing. Yeah. It is a bizarre thing. Yeah. Um, I'm not afraid of it, but it's it's like mm. it's this weird thing that exists. It's like. Exist, existing next to me, right? It yeah. is not you. No. Yeah, it exists next. But that, to that, you. And that's fine because obviously nobody. I mean, yeah. if I've seen a show or a movie that I like, and I see an actor in this, I love. You know, I I um, I was when I was young, I was like you know Marlon Brando was like I would mm. look at these old movies and I was just wow he's so good like I mm-hmm. felt I I could feel him. Or De Niro, you know, in the 70s and the 80s, you, you look at those movies, between all those, obviously I don't know them. I have no idea what they're like. I mean, and you, but yeah. you feel you do. Isn't that where we feel we do? And and, and then, of course, television is even mm. it's much stronger, like, oh. like, like uh, Friends. We sure. all knew them. We felt like we knew those characters and therefore those actors. Yeah. Because they're there in our living rooms. Yeah. Yeah, for years. And... Um, and now, of course, for me, the experience of Game of Thrones is like mm-hmm. ev- literally everywhere in the world. There is a there is a, a recognition. Like people say, "Oh, Bob, that's 
<laughs> and then the same jokes everywhere in the world. What are the amazing. jokes? <laughs> well, one every other would be, oh my God, you you still have you have your hands Two back. Two hands. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, that's. Uh, I'm glad I didn't make that joke. You thought of it though. <laughs> How'd you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is it is this something you ever are you ever going to get used to it? Or I guess no. that's part of the thing of no. it being next to you is you. Never get used to it. I don't, no, you don't. And you don't, yeah. no, you don't entertain it. You can't entertain it. Yeah. Why? I mean, <laughs> also, um, Game of Thrones is coming to an end and it'll slowly fade away. And I then, guess, yeah. You know. I guess so. Which brings me to like, we got to ask, like, first of all, what is next? Are you, are you playing Macbeth at the Geffen? Yes, I am. I'm very excited so about exciting. that. Yeah. I'm very excited. Before that, I'm going to do, I'm going to do a movie called The Silencing. Okay. Which is a it's a thriller, which is a, it's this really cool script. We're going to cool. shoot now in up up north. It's set in the north of of, of the state, New York, okay. but it's it obviously shot across the border because it's for some reason cheaper. Oh, <laughs> okay. And so if, if we all end up in north of it's north of Toronto. We, we're shooting, mm-hmm. and then um, yeah, and I just did a couple of movies back home actually, which was really cool to work in Denmark. Nice. So the process of like. Because filming Game of Thrones wrapped a while ago, like, have you? Do you feel like you've put it to rest, like emotionally? Have you said goodbye? Yeah. 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 yeah you're moving on. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it, it, it's it's kind of never felt. You know what it is. The, the, the special thing is that you've you've first of all, of course, that that so many people like it. That is that is. That's important. In, yeah, of course. Like yeah. you connect with so many people. You would tell stories for someone. I mean. Yeah. I remember having these discussions with the all the way back to drama school. You know that whole discussion between, you know, are we doing this for the sake of art? Or I mean, that whole thing. Yeah. That, and and there's the, the the school of thought that goes, doesn't matter if there's only one person in, in the audience, yeah. we play for him uh-huh. because the, the the theater is bigger than, and uh, and. And of course, there's a truth to that, you know. Absolutely. But there's also that thing about saying, well, I, you know, it, I, I want to, especially if you do movies, or television. It's it's a mass medium. You want to reach yeah. an audience. I don't think you have. I'm not saying you have to reach, you know, um, the proportions you know, of this. Marvel movie every time, but yeah. you have to reach, you know, a lot of people if you sure. can. Sure. That's what you want to do, and then to be part of something like this, where you actually reach people all over the world, it's it's insane, yeah. and it's it's that's very, mm. very gratifying. Um, but uh, I lost my train of thought. Where was I in the beginning of this? That was a I, that was a long sentence. It was brilliant, whatever it was. It was so amazing. This is all brilliant. <laughs> um, I think we have to wrap up, but thank you so much oh. for joining us. Um, do you have any like parting words of wisdom for actors or those who want to become actors? Parting words. Cast in an HBO. No, show? I think that thing you said early on. By the way, that that if you if Wait. there's anything else you want to do, do that. <laughs> do that, and then. And then if you still have this urge, then you can go. I mean, nobody knows anything. And, sure. and if you meet them, if you meet someone who thinks they know everything, then you, that's not a teacher you want to work with. Okay. That's good advice, too. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's probably one of the frogs, the, the yeah, frogs you kiss along the, the way frogs. thing. Yeah. 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 Um, Nikolai, thank you. Thank this you so, so much. This was great. In the Envelope, an awards podcast, is recorded at Lotus Productions, Hyperbolic Audio, and Big Yellow Duck in New York City, and Soundbox LA, Mark Grau Studios, and Buzzies in Los Angeles. Like, subscribe, tell your friends, tweet us at In the Envelope, leave a review, we want to hear from you. 
Visit Backstage.com for more content and resources for working artists. And don't forget, you can subscribe to Backstage with a free trial by using the code ENVELOPE at checkout. Thanks, as always, to podcast producer Wiz, Jamie Muffet. You can follow him on Twitter at JamieMusicNYC. You can follow me, Jack Smart, on Twitter at JackSmartWrites. Thank you to the team at Backstage, the most trusted name in casting. Peter Rappaport, Mark Stinson, Samantha Sherlock, Francis Ramos, Lauren Rout, Caitlin Watkins, Rowan Al-Khatib, and especially, should-be Oscar nominee, Casey Howe. Thanks for listening. 